Well, I just want to thank everybody for being here and for, uh, for your prayers and for your support. Um, uh, today we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 6, if you would turn there with me. I felt like this chapter uh, was very suitable during these times. Um, you know, as you guys know, I mean, I've been going through quite a bit of heavy stuff, me and my family and everything. Um, you know, and then as of this, you know, this last week and stuff, you know, uh, last week we were kind of stuck outside in the heat because we were locked out, as some of you remember. And uh, I heard there was a good chance it might have happened today as well. We weren't quite sure. Uh, so it was kind of in limbo. And um, I'm just, uh, I'm really thankful. I've been in prayer, been in kind of my own little warfare going on. And, um, you know, as David mentioned, uh, you know, it was my birthday. And I was like, man, I can't have this on my 21st birthday for crying out loud. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah, real funny. I can tell I'm not, but oh well. <laughs> but uh, nonetheless, thank you, Lord. Um, the doors were literally open here for cool, uh, coolness in our, in our home sanctuary. Um, thank you, Lord, for my wife on my birthday. She snuck my parents into town. <laughs> uh, my, my dad, as probably a lot of you have met him, is a, a chaplain at a truck stop in Ontario. And uh, I figured he was going to be here today. I'm like, hey, Dad, pray for me. Uh, and he's just like, yeah, I'm, I'm praying for you. You already have. And I'm like, hey, Dad, I'm praying for your service as well. And little did I know that he came in at 1 in the morning and snuck into the guest bedroom. And I tried to get in to get something, and the door was locked. I'm like, well, how did this happen? But I was just like, all right, whatever. You know. And the next thing you know, they come in. I'm like, thank you, Lord. Everything's, everything's going great. Uh, I chose Ephesians chapter 6 as well because uh, for some time now, uh, I've been doing small home studies uh, with, with a group of people. Uh, and I was calling them uh, prayer warrior studies. And uh, we started in Ephesians. I mean, Ephesians is such a great book. And I figured, you know what, I'm going to end in Ephesians because pretty much the group is here uh, that I've been doing this with. You know, and uh, this, this chapter really covers a multitude of things. Um, again, through crazy trials and tribulations, this chapter will cover the importance and instruction of our relationship with our families, uh, the relationship with our bosses or those in authority, um, and then most of all, it really just kind of uh, allows us or, you know, it teaches us how to handle ourselves during sp uh, spiritual warfare and attacks. Um, you know, this chapter will teach us how to be prayer warriors. And, and what I've said once before is how do we become prayer warriors? You, you put on the armor of God. And that's what we're going to go over today. And this chapter is great, too, because, you know, Paul wrote this to the Ephesians. Um, you know, he was, Paul was chained, chained up to a Roman guard in a Roman prison during this time, writing this letter to the Ephesians. Um, you know, he heard of great things going on in their church, but he also knew of a lot of things that needed to be done there as well that were going on. They were worshiping the goddess of Diana. Uh, they were, I think, there, if I'm not mistaken, there was also practicing of black magic going on there as well, which was, you know, which was a harsh thing. And, and Paul seen the importance here. And, and, you know, his heart was out there to, to write this letter to the, to the uh, church of Ephesus. It's located in the uh, Asia Minor area of Turkey. So let's start off here with verse, uh, verse 1, chapter 6. Verse 1 through 3, I'm going to read, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your mother and father, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on earth. Now, I, I've always found this kind of interesting, that through the Ten Commandments, out of, all the, out of all of the commandments, there is one commandment with a promise, to honor your mother and father, that you will have you know, long, long life on earth and, and you know, live long on the land that, that he gave to us. And I've always thought to myself, like, well, okay, well, um, you know, thou shalt not murder. That's pretty heavy. There's no you know, promise for not keeping that. Uh, you know, thou shalt not steal. Why, Lord? Why, why the promise for that one? You know, and as I thought about it, it, you know, the gift for this commandment is being, you know, being followed, and I'm not sure why. Uh, the only reason I could think of is that it was important to God because really sin began with disobedience to our Father. Okay, why, why, the, why the promise? Why the gift? And, and the reason being is because it all began in the Garden of Eden. When, when God told them, do not eat from this tree, whatever you do. And what did they do? They disobeyed, they disobeyed the Father. And that angered him. That disappointed him. And it got them kicked out of the Garden of Eden that Adam was in charge of taking care of. 
So really, I think from the beginning, that's where it started, was disobedience. And I think that really affected God. And the fact that he was just like, you know what, this is important to me, that you honor your mother and father, because I was not honored. But it's very important that you do that. You know, as parents, you know, we don't have to teach our kids to disobey. Thanks to sin, that kind of comes naturally. They must be taught to obey, that are, you know, and that is our calling as parents. You need to teach them obedience so they will grow up to obey God. I mean, again, we don't have to teach them disobedience, do we? I mean, that would be like me telling my son, Brandon, hey, Brandon, uh, hey, when I go tell you to go clean your room, go ahead and tell Dad where to go. I, you know, I really enjoy that. Uh, you know, that would be something like, no, absolutely not. If he did something like that, oh, my gosh. <laughs> he knows better than that. Unfortunately, I'm going to remember these times of what I did. He has his times as well, as great as he is. But, you know, I, I thank you, Lord, that, that, you know, again, this is an important part. Honor your mother and father, for there is a, prom- there is a commandment with a promise. And, and i got to tell you, I'm thankful for this, because growing up, you know, I was not the best son. Honor your mother and father, that you will have a long life on earth. I should, I should have been dead years ago. That lo- you would live long on the land that God gave you. Well, I should have been in a box somewhere. <laughs> so, thank you, Lord. I have, I have learned to honor, you know, honor my mother and father. I honor my in-laws. I honor, you know, I honor everybody that is like a mother or father figure to me. I have finally gotten there. Thank you, Lord. And I think he has preserved me through this. And, and for you younger people sitting in the crowd, remember that as well. You know, we don't have to, we don't owe them obedience as adults anymore, but honor always is what we should give our parents, to honor your mother and father always for what they've done for us. Let's go ahead and go to verse 4. And fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. So this verse is kind of interesting, too. It's given strictly to fathers because us dads kind of have more of a tendency to push our kids over the edge, don't we? You know, uh, for whatever reason, you know, you're going to be like me or you're going to do the things I do. You're going to play the sports, you know, that I play. And really, I just, uh, I think that we just need to be open for the Lord to do the work in our kids, you know. You know, Paul repeated this again in, in Colossians chapter 3, verse 21. It says, Father, do not embitter or provoke your children, or they will become discouraged. And how many kids are out there getting into trouble? Drugs, gangs, kids running away. You know, I have personally seen this with friends and others, um, you know, from childhood. Who, who, fathers were unloving, they were abusive. Uh, you know, families in the communities, uh, in, your, in the schools are falling apart. Fathers have a great responsibility, I feel. You know, there's been, there's been many things that we, are to, uh, that we are to do, and that's most importantly, raise them up in the Lord. Okay? In, a long time ago in Jewish history, uh, one thing that I've read before is that fathers were actually used to teach their children a trade of some sort. Okay, if they, were not to be, if they were not to be rabbis or teachers, their job was to teach them a trade of some sort. And if they weren't working, then that would be considered stealing. Okay? So, really, I, there's that responsibility factor going on here as fathers. That we, should be, that we should be teaching them and doing what's right. I remember Brandon, too, just recently telling me that, uh, he's like, you know, Dad, he goes, you know, as a lot of you know, I have a landscaping business on the side. And he said, you know, Dad, I think I'm going to be a landscaper when I grow up. And I'm like, well, I don't wish that upon you. (laughs) Trust me, he's been to work with me out there once or twice. I'm surprised he's actually said that. But nonetheless, it's an honor to hear that. It's an honor to hear your children say, hey, Dad, I'm going to do what you do. I want to be be like you. You know, my my dad over here, uh, my dad for many years was in real estate. Uh, He was a loan officer and very successful at that. And, and, you know, it's funny. I thought to myself when I was younger, that's exactly what I'm going to do. You know, I think my dad might remember that. I, was, I had a plan on getting into real estate. And um, I think the Lord had other plans for me. You know, my dad did it for some time. Uh, but now the Lord has uh, pretty much taken him and, and used him in ministry, as he has for me. And, and that is, that's the greatest honor, I think. If, anything, I, if to any, anything I'd be wanting to follow my father, it would be in that. It would be in, in ministry and what he's doing because of what I've seen going on there. And thank you, Lord, for where I'm at right now, being able to do what I'm doing. 
as David said, this is my first time uh, being up here in all these years I've been here, um, you know, as an elder. Uh, I started out as a backup drummer, you know, for the church. And then, you know, of course, I was cleaning restrooms and setting up. Uh, I, I served as a deacon. I have pretty much served as um, teaching the young kids. And now recently I've been teaching the high school and adults. And today on my birthday I get to uh, do my very first sermon here. And that is the greatest honor ever. And I tell you, it's such a rush. I'll, I, will never, I will never forget the very first time I played drums on stage with pretty much the old band that's been up here. It's been great to have them. Uh, it was such a nerve-wracking rush for me. I had not played on a drum set in 11 years. And, you know, John told me, that's all right, man. Just go up there and, you know, do what you can for us. We went up there, we did our thing, and it was awesome. I, I tell you, it was, I will never forget that day. I will never forget this day. And I, I want to thank you guys again for your prayers. I want to thank you for just everything that you've been uh, keeping our family in prayer of. Now we're going to go to another situation here. Um, and this one's kind of a tough one. It's been tough for me. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but like slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. So in this, you know, in this case now, employees obey your employers. You know, as it says, masters obey, obey your masters. And it's a hard one to listen to, I feel, at times. You know, but, but that is required because that's what's good in the eyes of the Lord. Really, no matter what we do, we dedicate it to the Lord. Whatever, whatever career, job, ministry, we're to do it wholehearted unto the Lord because he provides for us and opens and closes the doors. And as hard as it is, we're instructed to be of good cheer. When we work for that boss, we cannot please. I've, I've talked with many friends about this, and I tell you, over the years I've been through it too. I have worked for many different people. I've been able to sort out the ones, in, in my opinion, I guess, of what, who were harsh, who were real, who were great. And the tough part is, is what the Bible's saying here is, is it doesn't matter. You are to obey and respect your authority figure no matter, no matter who or what. And, and we must remember that. It's because we are supposed to be wholeheartedly doing it for the Lord, what we do, because he is the one that solely provides for us. He is the one that opens the doors for us. Okay? He is the one that gives us those jobs, takes away from us. Verse 8, because you were serving the Lord, not men, and because you know the Lord will reward everyone for whatever good he does, whatever he is slave or free. And verse 9, Masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not, treat, do not threaten them, since you know that he, who is both their master and yours in heaven, and there is no favoritism with them. So now we have those in authority as well that, are, that have instruction. Okay? So remember that you work under a higher authority as well, and, that, and the way you treat your people are being watched for those that are in authority, management, uh, pastoral, or whatever the case may be. We are all being watched no matter what. So yes, we are to respect our authorities, but those in authority are also to treat those under us with love and respect as well. You know, to many times, power is given to the wrong people, and they take advantage of their situation. And, we, and you know, we see rulers in authority that have hurt people that labor under, the, under their watch, and eventually it catches up to them. You know, we, we, look at, um, we look at Saddam Hussein, for instance. You know, I mean, a lot of people worship the guy. But he, he, killed, his own, he killed a lot of his own people. And I have, I have basically been with this through the youth before, of like, you know, why him? Why, what happened, you know? What happened to him? The Lord allowed him to get caught. The Lord allowed him to basically perish. He tried to rebuild the, the city of Babylon, which he had, you know, which the Lord had torn down, and he decided to go ahead and try to rebuild it. And as we remember, King Nebuchadnezzar was king of that area, a very powerful king. And Saddam Hussein had basically had put up a plaque at the beginning, at the entrance of this city, saying that. I, Saddam Hussein, and Nebuchadnezzar are like rulers of this city, and I am a direct descendant of Nebuchadnezzar. So this guy had an ego the size of Russia. <laughs> so really, I believe it tore him down. And basically, he was killing his people. He was hurting people. He was doing what was wrong, and it eventually caught up to him. Now, I want to use King David here as an example also of what, of what to do what's right. Now, we look at King Saul and how he treated David. 
Saul tried to kill him, and he, you know, he hunted him down, forcing him to hide in the wilderness. And when David had a chance to kill him, he did not do it. He was faithful to God and showed respect and mercy to Saul. You guys remember when he was hiding in the uh, cave, and he had that chance to kind of do him under? Well, he basically just cut off a piece of his garment, and then when he was out, he showed it to him and said, Hey, look what I have. <laughs> you know, I could have done you in, but I didn't. And uh, in my own sarc- sarcastic way of putting it, I guess. Um, he, he, was able to, he was able to basically show him, look, I, you are still in authority. And I, I could have done this to you, and I didn't. Eventually, Saul was killed in battle. And, and uh, someone went to David claiming that he had that he'd done the deed, looking for recognition, because David was now anointed king. So David basically killed the guy who claimed it and mourned for his ruler. I think you guys are going to get to that a little bit later on. I hate to you know, ruin it for you, but that's a little later in Samuel. So yeah, so David, even though he had went through what he went through with Saul, through all of those, all of those times of Saul wanting to kill him, David still showed him the love and respect that, you know, that he was supposed to because he knew it was right. He knew it was good. He knew that it was important. If you want to, uh, turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 6. Verse 1 and 2, it basically gives it right there very boldly. All who are under the yoke of slavery should consider their masters worthy of full respect, so that God's name and our teaching may not be slandered. Those who have believing masters are not, are not to show less respect for them because they are brothers. Instead, they are to serve them even better, because those who benefit from their service are believers and dear to them. And these are the things you are to teach them and urge on, and urge on them. So really, I think that's, that's pretty much the bottom line of all of that, as, as Paul is saying that, you know, no matter what, this is right in the eyes of the Lord. But first and foremost, we need to be, we, we need to be giving it to God first. You know, again, we've had some, uh, I've had some bosses in the past, and I've seen other bosses out there that are just, they will want you to do things that aren't right. And we need to be on guard of that as well, you know, for whatever it is. I, I've heard many stories. You know, it would be like, hey, we need to go over here and steal from this place. <laughs> you know, uh, they've, been, they've been in competition with us. They've done this to us. And it's basically, that's when you need to make a stand. That's when you need to take a stand and, and basically respect your authority, but remember to, to respect what Christ says first and foremost. Okay, because I don't want to give any, any false uh, instruction on, on certain things without, without noting that, that first and foremost, we are to follow God. And we are to remember what's right and what's wrong. Because there will be people out there that will tell us to, to do certain things that are against the Lord's will. So as I go back here to verse 9, And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them. And since you know that he is, who is both their master and yours in heaven, and there is no favoritism with them, so he shows no favoritism whatsoever. So now as we have gone through that, now we're coming to the part where we're hitting the armor of God now. Now this is where, this is where showtime begins because now you've been following these things. Now that you've been doing the things that the Lord has requested you to do, now the enemy is going to start attacking because he does not, he does not like what you are doing that's right. Okay, so now, now the arrows are going to start flying. Okay, the weapons are going to start coming out. You know, a, a wise man told me one time that, that when, the, uh, when the bricks are not flying at you, you know, be nervous. You know, when things are going great, be nervous, because chances are something's going to happen. And that's when you need to be ready to have your armor on. Okay, you need to have the full armor of God on. Verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, and against the powers of the dark world, and against the spiritual, spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So, 
how do we, he's showing us now how to handle this. Because of the following things, the enemy's ready to start throwing things at us. And he wants, he wants to destroy everything that has been done. Uh, you guys don't have to turn here with me, but I'm going to turn to 1 Peter chapter 5 real quick. Verse 8 and 9, basically Peter hits the nail on the head reminding us, Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And I believe that. You know, a lot of people have known what we've gone through. I know about what some of you are going through. And it's important that we be together strong in prayer and in faith and watching over each other. But first and foremost, there's going to be times where we're not always around one another. So therefore, he's reminding us that, you know what, there is something you can do. It's called the armor of God. And I'm going to go one by one specifically here of what we should be wearing and how, you know, what we should be doing with it. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm. Then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place. So the buckle of truth and the breastplate of righteousness. So knowing the truth, because the devil lies and he is the father of lies, he will tell you it's okay to do that deed. and He will lie about God's character and his outlook on sin. You know, I mean, my gosh, he tried to tempt Jesus in the wilderness, right? I mean, he actually had the guts to go and do such a thing. You know, he's going to go after us, of course. But he even went to Jesus to tempt Jesus in the desert and told him to, hey, if you bow down and worship me, I'll give you the world. That, he will stop at nothing. He will continue to do these things to anybody. I mean, to even our Lord, he, he, he attempted. The belt of truth, it keeps everything placed, it keeps everything together, placed on the armor. As we look at, as we look at armor, we were having a men's breakfast recently, uh, and we've been in this chapter for, for a little bit of time now. And uh, we were sitting around saying, well, gosh, how did Paul know about, you know, the armor and how it works? And, uh, you know, my first thought was, was like, well, technically he was a Roman citizen. But easily thinking that, if you think about it, he is sitting in prison, chained to a Roman guard, full of armor, dressed to kill. So he's probably sitting there looking at him like, oh, okay, as he's writing this letter, starting to basically jot down everything that, you know, everything that is on this guard. And, and, and then using it in the ways of Christ and how we should be using it as well. Interesting. It, it kind of came to mind. Well, okay. He's sitting there right across from a guard looking at him. He's chained to a guard. He should know exactly, you know, he knows the armor well. And, and, and basically the belt of truth is basically holding everything together. The belt on the armor is what held your breastplate. It held your weapons intact. If you did not have that belt on, nothing would be, nothing would be right. Nothing would be covered. Everything would be awkward on you. And again, you'd be, just, uh, you'd be subject to some form of attack. You would, it's, it's like keeping your pants up, really. <laughs> you know, you want to keep your belt on. And that's what it is as well for, for, you know, the belt of truth, knowing the truth of God, okay, because that's what's important. You're going to be sitting here in church knowing the truth, okay? And what does Satan do? He attacks your mind first and foremost, okay? When you're sitting here in church, what's he doing? He, he's basically getting into your minds, I mean, I can't tell you how many times there'd be times when I'd be sitting here and all these thoughts would be going through my mind. And it's just like, man, where did that come from? Why? Well, now I know. And therefore, any time everywhere we go, we must be remembering to, you know, to keep this in prayer and asking God, you know, asking God to be doing of these things for us. Lord, help me to wear this every day and help me not to leave off one piece. We leave off one piece. We're subject to something. He's, he's walking around like a roaring lion looking to devour, and he knows exactly where our weaknesses are at. Okay? The breastplate of righteousness is covering and protecting the heart, which causes us to, to do right unto God. And it's, it's really in all of our hearts desire to, do, to be righteous and to do the things that are righteous. But when we're not wearing this, this our hearts are open to sin and we're unguarded. We're basically in trouble if we're not, if we're not wearing this or any of this for that matter. Covering your heart. Okay, same thing. We're sitting here, and our heart's desire is to come here and to listen and to learn about the Lord, to give our full attention to Him, to give our full praise to Him. And He wants to go after that. 
He wants to, de- he wants to de- destroy them. He's going to be telling you things that, that you, you, know, you think you want to hear, when really it's the opposite. So we have the, uh, the, the belt, and we have the, uh, the breastplate. Now, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition, take all this, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. So, setting our feet for a readiness for the gospel of peace. Colossians chapter 3, verse 14 and 15 says, Above all things, put on love, which is the bond of, of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body. You know, God wants us to be in peace at all times. What did he say to us? He said, hey, be still and know that I am God, first and foremost. You know, when we're flustered, our feet aren't fitted, are they? We're running around like uh, chickens with our our heads cut off. We don't know what to do at times. We are to to basically be fitted, have our feet fitted in prayer and readiness at all times. The gospel of peace, as he read here. Go to the gospel of peace. And one of my favorite things to do in this is Psalm 23. I think a lot of you went through this a few weeks back. Um, You know, it's known by most believers and also by non-believers. I know this passage, actually. You know, reading this passage brings me peace. Okay? We are to have our feet set for peace, to be able to bring to those. Bring them the peace and the knowledge of God. Have your feet fitted. Basically, the footwear. Be ready to run with this, is what he's saying. Be ready to run with it. And I, I love it. I, you know, the, the one thing I'd want to tell people, you, you know, you want to be in peace? Go to Psalm 23. He lies me down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. And he prepares a table for me in front of my enemies. He anoints my head with oil and my cup runneth over. Goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, to me, that is peaceful. Has anybody here, has anybody ever here been in the among, you know, among green pastures before? Or, or been along still waters? Has anybody ever done that before? Among the peace of still waters, yeah. I have. I've got to tell you, and there's truth behind all of that. I'll never forget it. I, you know, I, I took a trip to Pennsylvania with John uh, quite a few years back. And you know, we, were, uh, we were doing a canoe trip down this beautiful river. Okay, not a not a soul was down this river but him and I for five hours. You know, we ended up in Westchester, Pennsylvania, into Wilmington, Delaware, and um, it was the most peaceful thing I'd ever I'd ever done. I mean, I, it was even so peaceful that even John behind me fell asleep on the canoe. <laughs> so <laughs> all I remember is is rowing the boat, and I'm like, hey man, he's supposed to steer the back. And I, Okay, well, that's fine. I'm working it okay. It was that peaceful. Even John was able to sleep on the boat. I almost fell asleep myself. But there, there's truth behind that. There, there, is peace and, there is peace and there's tranquility in, in this chapter. There was green pastures everywhere. And though I, and though I uh, walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And, and we can do that because of the armor. If we're wearing the full armor. He says it twice. Reminding us, put on the full armor of God. Do not leave one piece out. And as I'm going through this, I'm, I'm trying to basically give an example of what and how and why of, of what Satan could do to us. What's open, okay, and, what, and what's covered. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. My cup runneth over, and he anoints my head with oil, representing the joy of the Holy Spirit. So remember that. Be fitted with peace. Remember this passage. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. The shield of faith is really one of the most important out of all of our armor. Now, a lot of us have probably seen in the past a lot of war movies like Gladiator, Braveheart, or whatever the case may be. What's the first thing people are running out there with when the arrows are, are flying at them? It's the shield. You know, Paul's also probably looking at this Roman guard thinking like, oh, yeah, you would, you'll definitely want your shield. The Roman shield was about four feet in height to two feet in width, which basically allowed, allowed them to cover the majority of their body. It also allowed them to form a line and cover one another. Okay? 
So basically they were protecting one another as well as themselves that are around them. So it is, it is very important, probably the most important, to have your shield of faith. If we have no faith, then, then why even have the armor on at all? We have nothing if we do not have faith. It is very important. You know, we'll see them all, the arrows flying, and this is, this is exactly what Satan does. I mean, I, I tell you, he, he works in bulk. <laughs> you know, he doesn't just, you know, yeah, he'll throw some things here at you, but a lot of times he wants to throw an avalanche down at you. And, and what they would do is they would together, all of them, form a line, holding their shields firmly, being able to break through that line and get through what they had to do in their battle, protecting one another. It was very important, one of the most important. You know, Matthew, Matthew chapter 9, verse 20 through 22, you know, she, she had, here's the importance of faith. A woman had a flow of blood and saw Jesus and said to herself, if I could only touch his garment, I will be healed. And Jesus, walking down the street, turned around and, and seen her and said, be of good cheer, for you were healed. Your faith has made you well. And that's what's important. Your faith will make you well. Your faith will protect you. Your faith will shield you. David, David defeating Goliath. You know, it, it was his faith in God that allowed this teenage boy to defeat a giant using a, using a sling stone that shepherds would use to fight off wolves and other animals. You know, here's Goliath completely dressed up in his armor, what, nine, ten feet tall, and I don't know how, how heavy he was, but the guy was, the guy was a known giant and feared by everybody. And here comes little David, this little shepherd boy, probably, I think at the age of 15, if I'm not mistaken, with nothing but a sling, you know, nothing but a rock and a sling that, you know, that shepherds would use to basically fight off the wolves. He had his faith in God that, you know what, I can take care of this. Nothing will get past me because I have the faith of God. In Luke chapter 17, verse 5 and 6, you know, Jesus said to the disciples, when they asked the Lord to, to increase their faith, he said, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can tell this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will obey you. As small as a mustard seed. Everybody know how small a mustard seed is? It's practically microscopic. It's, microscopic. it's the smallest seed out there. And he's saying, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can actually do this. So even your little bit of faith can have such a large shield. That's, that's, again, just the importance of it. That we would continue to have faith here. And that we would shield one another during these times of, of warfare. During these times of just of hurt. Rejoice with one another. Be there for one another no matter what. Shielding each other. Watching each other's back. You know... It's the importance of faith. You know, and if we don't have it, we're wide open for danger, and we're going to be wide open for spiritual death. Continue to keep the faith. Verse 17, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. So here we have the helmet of salvation. And, and you know, it's important to keep on our heads, and it guards our mind. It, it would be crazy for a soldier to go, into, to go into battle without his helmet now, wouldn't it? Satan's weapon of choice against us who are saved is discouragement. Saying, you're not saved. Those close to you don't want you. Hey, but I'll choose you if you bow down to me and worship me. I'll give you everything you ever wanted. Wear your helmet and keep the enemy out of your head. Okay, it's, it's like, uh, you know, my father-in-law Tony rides Harleys, you know. And it's, he, <laughs> I don't know if you wear your helmet, but, you know, you don't, but, you know. <laughs> That's right. It's important, though. <laughs> he knows it. It's very important to protect our minds. Okay? It's like a, in California, you're required to wear a helmet. And there's a reason for it. It's to protect you. It's to save you. Okay? It's to keep you from getting killed. The helmet of salvation. You know, warriors were actually defined. We were talking about this at the, at the men's study. Warriors were defined or recognized by their helmets. Um, whatever they wore. You had the Vikings with the horns. You had the... Uh, you had, of course, the Roman soldiers with their, their glitz and glamour and their flashy helmets and the frills on it and whatever else they had. You know, and I'd like to think that our helmets of salvation will stand out like no other. Because I, I really believe that our helmets will say on one side, John 3.16. Everybody knows that one. For God so loved the world that he gave his only you know, begotten son. And then right on the other side, John 
And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. Being known by our helmets of salvation, that, you know, that we be, be, receive his grace, and that our minds remain in his heavenly realm. So it says here, to, you know, to take the helmet, of, take the helmet but it also, in, if I'm not mistaken in the Greek, it, it says to receive, to receive the helmet, because we, we do not just take grace, we receive grace from God. So in the Greek it says to receive the helmet of salvation. Okay, because that is what's to protect our minds. Now we're coming up to the sword. The sword is known as the word of God, for it is, it is the weapon that we have to fight with. Everything else is pretty much for defense. The soldier always had uh, their sword on him, and, and they always knew their sword. They were constantly being, sh you know, sharpening and polishing their sword. Just as we should be uh, being sharpened by, with our sword, we should be sharpening ourselves with the word of God, for it is our sword. Okay, and keeping it polished because you know what happens sometimes. We let it, we sit it down somewhere, and it collects dust. And by it collecting dust, that means we're not we're not opening it, we're not using it. Our sword is becoming of no use. It'll 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 be rusty. It'll get dull. And and our use will will be or will be limited really. So it's important to be able to 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 know your to know your know your sword like the soldiers do they know their swords they polish them they sharpen them at all times sharpen yourself with the word of god so and they would also sharpen both sides to make it more effective so and i was I, you ever watch that show uh what is it called deadliest warrior you ever seen that one there were um they have like uh they have warriors that basically uh, two different types of warriors i was watching it the other day Comparing one another's weapons and so on and so forth on, okay, well, who would win, the Roman soldier or the, uh, you know, or a Viking or whatever the case may be, they would actually compare them in their weaponry. And it's always funny that the, the one with the, you know, with the double-edged sword was the most effective, okay? And what, is, what does the word say about the word of God? I'm going to read from Hebrews chapter 4 real quick, and feel free to turn there with me if you'd like. Hebrews 4, verse 12 says, For the word of God is, is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitude of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to, who, uh, to whom he must give account. So the, the, the word of the Lord is sharper than any double-edged sword. And what's cool is, is as, we look at, as we look at this and we realize that the, the word of God is a sword. Okay, so we have a double-edged sword as well if you think about it. The double-edged sword is our Old and our New Testament. <laughs> if you think about that. That is our sword. It is double-edged and sharper like nothing. Or sharper than anything that would go through all of these things. You know, watching this show, it's, it's, it's graphic at times. You know, they would basically go through these mannequins and so on and so forth, you know, taking off their limbs and, you know, sometimes it wouldn't. It would just basically do just a little bit of damage. But our word of God is sharper than that even. Okay, so remember that. Keep, keep, your, keep your Bible with you at all times. Revelation chapter 19, verse 15 also says, Out of his mouth came a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. Tony, I remember, uh, the, the Word of God. My father-in-law, Tony, back there was, was telling us a story. I'm going to try to get this right. <laughs> the Word of God and how sharp it is. Uh, he was parked behind a building during work one time. And uh, I, I'm assuming it was the guy that owned the building, if I'm not mistaken. He was a pretty big guy, as he was telling me. Pulled up to him and basically came out and started yelling at him that you need to get out of here, bleep, 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 so on and so forth. Get your truck out of here. And, you know, he's like, okay, no problem. You know, the guy gets in his car to leave, and then Tony gets out and stops him. What does the guy do? He gets out, and he, he says he's a really big guy, intimidating. He gets out with his fists clenched, ready to, ready to attack him. And, and if I'm not mistaken, he says, you know, did you know that the Lord Jesus Christ loves you and died for you? <laughs> oh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> ready, I mean, just ready to attack. And then right after he said that, he just, he put his hands down. And he just pretty much, you know, 
he walked away. And what was cool about the story, if I remember correctly, he saw, he saw him later and basically was very friendly with him starting from there. You know? That's the word of God. That's our Lord. That's the sword. That's the weapon. This guy ready to attack, ready to do what, he, what he's going to do. And he, he said that one little thing to him, and it stopped him right in his place. It's like he broke his fist right on an invisible brick wall. <laughs> and I love it. You know, I, I remember another story recently, too, that uh, I remember when I was a teenager. I went to a church service where they had a guest speaker, and he was telling a story about uh, he was out somewhere with his kids, and a group of guys came out to attack him. And, of course, he has his kids there. Can you imagine that? Having your kids there when somebody's trying to attack you. And the guy basically, he's, he's trying, you know, he's keeping his kids back, you know, and he just says, hey, <laughs> in the name of Jesus Christ, leave us alone. And those guys backed right off. That's the sword. That's, that's the word of God, God a, a double-edged sword. And, and lately, as of lately, too, thank you, Lord, this hasn't happened again. I have had two cars stolen from me in the past. And I'm like, gosh, you know, you could put a club on it. You could put an alarm on it. You could do all these different things, but it's just like, well, you know what I'm going to do? I, I told my wife, I was just like, let's put, our, let's put a Bible in every one of our cars. <laughs> put it right there on the front seat, because I tell you what, I, I, I really test somebody's conscience to look right in there before you break in there to see the Word of God looking you right in the face. And if you do decide to steal my car again, well, then do me a favor and open it and read it. And it may do you some good if that, if that for some reason doesn't work. So that, that's just one of those funny little stories about my, you know, the, the word of God being a sharp sword. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all of the saints. Pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mysteries of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. So basically pray for one another and act upon the word of God. You know, verse 21, I'm going to try to wrap this up here. with, with uh, And I'm going to try to pronounce his name. I think it's Tychicus, if I'm not mistaken. The dear brother and faithful servant in the Lord will tell you everything so that you also may know I am and what I am doing. I am sending him to you for this very purpose that you may know how we are and that he may encourage you. Peace to the brothers and love with faith from God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an, with an undying love. So verse 19 he says... Pray for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. And when I read that, I was led to Romans chapter 1, verse 16. It says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes it. Tychicus was a, a brother uh, paired with Paul to help deliver the good news. And, and uh, it doesn't really speak much about him. All we can, we can read about him in the book of Acts. We don't really know a whole lot about him except that you know, the Lord had paired this guy with Paul. You know, the, the Lord always says, hey, go out in groups of two. And at some point, you know, in, the, in Paul's beginning, he was with uh, uh, a guy by the name of Barnabas, okay, who was named after his name stood for the son of encouragement. And I kind of referred to them as the spiritual dream team at first. You know, they did many great things together. And then later on, Paul was also paired with certain people. The Lord pairs us with people. You know, I, I think at one point, too, Paul was also, uh, he was also paired with Luke, which a lot of us know that Luke was a physician. And uh, the Lord knew that Paul was going to be beaten up a lot. <laughs> you know, I mean, as we know, Paul pretty much uh, survived a shipwreck. He uh, survived a poisonous snake bite. Um, he's been beaten up numerous times. He's been arrested. And then, uh, basically, he, he, was, he was killed on one occasion, crushed, stoned to death, to, to basically go up to heaven for a short amount of time, brought back down to life. And what does he do? He gets back up, and he just kind of wobbles back into that city. I'm not done yet. <laughs> you know? Thank you, Lord. I'd hate to see how he looked. But nonetheless, he was, you know, he, he, was, he was anointed. He, he, was, he was put with people that the Lord wanted him with. Pray for each other. Pray with each other and watch each other's back. 
you know, we've been reading about the armor, and as you've noticed, there is no armor behind us. All of the armor is in front of us, okay, because we see everything that's, we're to see everything that's coming, we're accountable for it. We can't see anything from behind us. The Lord has our back, okay? The Lord definitely has our back, but he also pairs us with one another that we would have each other's back. I, I went to a pastor's conference not too long ago, um, Actually, it's funny. This was the pastor was Jack Hibbs, who actually used to be my, my parents' pastor in California that they that they go to. Very dynamic speaker, and he gave an example one time of, um, if I remember, if I get this right, he was basically giving an example of soldiers on how they watch one another's back. Okay, that uh, he met somebody in the special forces and say, how did how did two of you survive numerous people, and basically they would be back to back holding out their weaponry and their guns, forming a circle, watching each other's back. Nothing gets by them. Nothing gets to them. And therefore, they were able, just between the two people watching each other's back, they were able to take out numerous people that were trying to attack them and kill them. Where two or more are gathered, he's in our presence. And remember that remember to keep your shield of faith, okay? That is very important. But also, watch each other's back. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and powers of darkness. Some of you know, and I, I'm going to expose this, uh, you know, I'm a big wrestling fan. <laughs> I've been all my life, you know, what can I say? I, but what's, what's really cool about this is that I was watching a video recently. There's, there's a handful of wrestlers that are believers, and I didn't know this. Okay, And, and what they would do is they would go out and put on a van evangelizing shows at these places, wrestling shows. And what it was, was, I mean, my gosh, it's almost brought tears to my eyes that this one wrestler that I've known for years, a couple of them actually, uh, part of the act was that they're in, he's in the ring and these group of guys come out dressed up like demons, all dressed in black, decide to attack him. They basically start beating up on him. They, they, they chain him to the ring and they're all beating up on him. You know, out of nowhere comes another group of wrestlers raging, you know, raging to the ring like a bunch of wild bulls, taking these guys, these demons, throwing them out of the ring like yesterday's garbage. <laughs> you know, taking them out like the bouncer of the bar at two in the morning. You know, you're out of here. You know, it, it was great to see. It, it, it was really to see these wrestlers, okay, to be to be doing this, giving a perfect example of how we should be with one another and how we should watch each other's back. You know, if we know that, you know, one of us or any of us knows that some of us are under attack, we must let each other know, okay? It's very important that we are in communication with one another, okay? Because we're powerless if, if we don't have our faith and our shield. We don't have our full armor on, okay? And, and I tell you, I, I, I've always wanted to be a wrestler, but obviously I'm not there. <laughs> I'd rather be here. It's my greatest honor. But I tell you what, when any of us are under attack, I, I, wanna, I want to make it known that, that, hey, we need to be praying with one another. We, we need to be loving one another. We need to be wearing our armor, encouraging one another. If, if I know or any of us know that somebody's under attack, then we should all be rushing in like those raging wrestlers, throwing, you know, throwing those demons out, <laughs> praying for one another showing love and grace. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of go off of this too. They, they fear Jesus. You know, they fear, the, they fear Jesus. They hate the light. You guys remember this, uh, a demon-possessed man uh, was called, uh, what was it? Uh, a demon-possessed man approached Jesus and he was possessed by a demon by the name of Legion. And uh, a legion typically consists of Three to six thousand people. There's no, there's no exact number of them, but that's what a legion pretty much consists of. So here we have this demon by the name of Legion, with probably quite a few demons all in one. Pretty scary, I'd imagine. Sees D Jesus and absolutely are terrified of him. You know. So what do they do? They ask Jesus, "Hey, will you at least cast us out into a bunch of swine?" And he said, "Go, get out of here." He Casts them out into a bunch of pigs. And what do they do? They run themselves right off of a cliff. That's the power of our Lord. You have a bunch of demons that are terrified of them. When you turn on the light, they hate the light. 
okay? It's like cockroaches if you think about it. You know, you turn on the light and they start scattering, you know, and that's what they are. They see Jesus, they, they fear him, and that's all they are to him. They're nothing. They have no power over us as long as we stand firm and as long as we have faith and as long as we're in prayer with one another. Hold strong your shield. Keep your faith. If we don't, we won't have any power. I'm also going to close real quick with a story on a uh, on a guy that actually uh, he, he used to be the singer of a uh, he used to be a singer of a, of a rock metal band in the 90s. It was a Christian band on top of it. And I just found out recently that um, this guy had basically changed his complete tune. You know, the guy's lyrics were extremely powerful of the Lord. Um, you know, King of Kings, if I were a king, I would give you my crown, for I am not worthy, and all mankind should bow down. Uh, there was one song called Warfare, which was hearing that song makes you want to run out there and, you know, fight the enemy after hearing this. Just recently, I found out that he went to the other side, and he, he's basically now a priest of a satanic church. Um, you know, I, I was just like in shock. I mean, not only did this guy not have his armor on, he just took his armor and threw it away and basically did a river dance right in the enemy's territory. And, uh, you know, that's the importance of it. We need, to have, we need to be watching over each other. We need to be wearing this armor that even somebody, is, you know, that was as strong as he was. He was even a pastor at some point, too. So he really went off the deep end. He threw his armor away. He gave up everything. Don't ever give up. Winston Churchill, I, I, I saw a card one time uh, with a saying from Winston Churchill. It, it said, don't ever, ever, ever give up, and I will never, ever, ever stop cheering for you. And I'd like to think he probably stole that from the Lord somewhere, but <laughs> I could see our Lord saying, don't ever, ever, ever give up, because I will never, ever, ever leave you. And we must remember that. Keep strong in the faith. Keep strong with each other. May we pray with one another. And I want to invite anybody after the service, whatever you're going through, whatever it might be, pray with me too, because you all know what I've been going through lately. I've been, you know, last week, uh, Joe and Holly prayed with me. I, I told them, hey, it's going to be my first time. This is a very humbling experience teaching. And, yeah, they prayed for me. A lot of people were praying for me, with me or away from me. And they were shielding me, as we should be shielding each other. And I want to stress the importance of that and strengthen that with one another that if you have anything, we are here to pray with you. And that's important. That's our first defense, is our faith. Let's go ahead and close in prayer. Father, Lord, we come before you. We thank you for this time, Lord. Lord, that we would be strong in you at all times, Lord. Lord, may you bless everybody here, Father, Lord, and you would just, Lord, grow them immensely, Father. And Lord... I thank you for this opportunity and the honor, Lord. I pray that we will never grow weak, that the fire will never grow, grow cold, Father, Lord, that the flame will never extinguish. Keep us in your hand, Lord, because you said whoever's in your hand will never be, will never be snatched away. I thank you for all here, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray.